drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? claimed it was his best opera, saying he would never write any better. That's Italian uh, arrogance for you, perhaps. But with Rigoletto's themes of greed, betrayal, revenge, and quite a bit of misogyny, it's fair to say, it is a much-loved opera and one of the most popular of all time. Uh, soprano Stacey Alome is with me today to talk about her role as Gilda in Opera Australia's Rigoletto. Stacey, welcome to you. Thanks for having me. Gilda is the daughter of the hunchbacked court jester Rigoletto. She falls in love with his boss, the Duke of Mantua, and is eventually killed in a case of mistaken identity. What does Gilda's character represent in this opera, do you think? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, she she represents, I guess, a, a sense of forgiveness, you know, um, she falls in love with a guy that's probably really not worthy of her love, you know, and and she, in the end, decides to sacrifice her life for him, but also for to protect her father as well. And so there must be some sort of, not compassion, but I guess, yeah. You can feel for her, can't you? Feel for her, yeah. And, you know, she's very much a victim of the circumstances, could you say. Does she have agency? Does she, is she able to have freedom and choices? I think she definitely knows the choice she is making in the end. Um, because from when we see her, she is a, an innocent, naive, young 16-year-old girl who hasn't been exposed to the world, but then makes this gigantic leap into to womanhood, really, and, and knows the choice she is making to sacrifice her life. Mm. Gilda gets some of the best music in the opera, uh, getting uh, to sing the Act One aria cara Nome. Uh, do you want to explain a little bit about this piece and what it's like to sing? So basically in, in this part of the opera, um, the, the Duke has just bribed his way into Gilda and Rigoletto's home and he's escaped down the fire escape in our production and now she is just so in love. You know, he's he's told her he's a poor student and that his name is Gualtier Malde and this name is just going over and over and over in her mind and she's just, just so full of love that I guess she just can't wait to the next chance that she gets to meet this guy again. What's the most challenging piece, do you think? For me, it is Caronome. <laughs> 
quiet. <laughs> Talk to me about the physiological things that you go through. I'm fascinated about how you can manage your breath and manage your concentration all, all while wearing costumes. <laughs> and, and you're known for being a high wire <laughs> soprano as well. So I know you've, uh, you know, you, you have to really control your body, don't you? Look, I mean, even just her first entrance of Caronome, where she says Gualtier Malde, like this name that he's, you know, this false name that he's given her, it, it starts on this really, it's like really ethereal. And it's just, you know, it's just meant to float up there. And it, Everyone's just waiting for this beautiful, ethereal, floating sound. And it's, you know, you've got to make sure that your voice is supported and the breath is all right and that it's just sitting where it's supposed to sit. So that, but also, you know, I'm, I'm situated away from the orchestra. It's a double-storey house. The orchestra is very soft strings underneath. You know, you're listening for that and, um, you know, there's you know, the vocal fireworks of the the coloratura. And so there's a lot in that one aria that makes it vocally demanding. I don't know how you do it. I honestly don't. (laughs) When you really break it down, there is so much going on and the, you know, the audience is just taking it all in as one combined sentiment, but there is obviously much, much behind the scenes. This version, as you mentioned, there's this sort of incredible doll's house. It's sort of uh, reimagined for the 1950s. Do you think this uh, is an appropriate kind of age or, or or decade for this opera? Because there's certainly these issues around misogyny that get written up every time Rigoletto is performed. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it still fits the times, and I think it's a it's a beautiful set, and it and it really works for this production. So talk to me about this revolving doll's house. Are you going <laughs> to fall off this? I hope not. No. <laughs> It is quite a drop, though. I, I would say it's at least two metres from where I'm st- standing at the top of the doll's house. Um, but no, like, you know, we've we've worked on the set. I've done this production before, so I know what to expect. And, you know, they're all the safety measures, like don't move while it's revolving, things like that. Are you attached to a string or, or any kind of safety wire at all? No. Oh, wow. Incredible. <laughs> Opera seems to be one of the lace, uh, the last areas of the arts, if you like, that allows people... Uh, you know, less acceptable social constructs, you know, to be depicted, you know, this idea of the misogyny as an example and told without dissection, you know, there's no kind of context or extra commentary around it. People clearly still have an interest in watching these stories being told. Why do you think that is? We seem to really just love Rigoletto despite its flaws in, in a modern context. Yes, it, it has all of these things that you've described, but also like even in, in modern day, don't girls still go through their first love where they go through, you know, seeing, meeting someone that they probably the wrong, should, the, the, wrong wrong, bloke. the wrong guy, mm, you know, mm. there are still themes that are still relevant today, I think. Um, it's just you know, the story itself has its flaws. You know? If you just join me, Stacey alone is with me here in the RN Drive studios. We're talking... Opera Australia's latest performance of Rigoletto. The cast is quite diverse uh, and you have yourself, uh, you know, sung in productions in Europe and in Asia. What do you think it is about opera as an art form that encourages so much movement, uh, you know, and, and migration, if you like, for its performers? It's opportunity, right? You're seeking opportunities. Absolutely. But, you know, what is fascinating about this job and what, and what I love about it is that every production is new. Everything is different. You know, you, you, um, the opera is 
essentially the same, obviously, because that's what the composer wrote. But you're working with a different conductor, you're working with a different cast, you might be working in a different city, different set, different costumes. And I think that's just what keeps it alive. And you're, you might be telling the story, the same story, but maybe just in a different way. You know, it might be set in, you know, La, Do La Dolce Vita or, you know, I don't know, the 19th century or whatever that makes it just a little bit more unique. Because you performed this role of Gilda in Austria. How, how does that performance compare to this one at the Opera House? Completely different because uh, it was an outdoor production um, and we were performing to 7,000 people uh, every night uh, competing against the, the natural weather elements, basically. So the storm scene was actually really a storm scene some nights. This is not <laughs> some guy standing off uh, off stage with a hose. It's actually legit. I actually thought maybe I should ask stage management if they should you know, throw some buckets of water at me. <laughs> it's like method opera, you know. <laughs> and speaking of working in other countries, you were performing uh, La Traviata in Italy and mm -hmm. Hong Kong after you performed it here, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, what were the audiences like overseas? How was that reception? Because I know that others have talked about, certainly in um, mainland China as an example, the audiences are told not to take any photos during the performance. And so when the performance is over, everyone's silent because one hand is busy taking photos. <laughs> they can't clap. Have you experienced that? Well, uh, yes, in, in a way. Um, I'll never forget it. It was after, after the curtain fell, somehow like in the curtain calls, everybody had their mobile phones in their pockets and as soon as the curtain fell, all the chorus were trying to get like photos with all the principals. So that, that, was, that was one experience. And then obviously when you come out the stage door, there was quite a lot of people waiting as well. You're in this opera with Italian baritone Ernesto Petti, who's playing Rigoletto's, um, well, Gilda's father. Uh, this is an Australian and role debut how do you think he's going to work in an Australian production? Uh, has he said it's different here? Is he, has he made any comments about our opera culture in this country? Uh, no, not necessarily. He hasn't made any comments about that, but he's enjoyed working with us and it's just been really wonderful working with him as well. Great voice, um, really generous colleague, so... Yeah, audiences are in for a real treat. Mm, beautiful. Opera Australia's Rigoletto is running until June the 26th. Stacey Loam, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for being my guest. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.